Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome to episode number 49 of Unformidable, where we take a look at some of the less heralded myths in our beloved franchise's quirky history. As to us, every player who dons the orange and blue is, in some way, to us, Unformidable. Season's been brief thus far, brief and fleeting, thanks to way too many early season postponements. And speaking of early in the season, and speaking of brief and fleeting, I mean, I know we're used to a great deal of turnover on our Mets, and particularly perhaps in the bullpen uh, over the last few years, but even with all that turnover, it's pretty rare to face one batter in your entire career with a team. Probably not completely unprecedented, but so it went, as brief and as fleeting as it could be for the aptly named at least in the context of his Mets career, Mr. Mac Scarce, who is here today to prove that even facing one batter as a New York Met makes you unformidable. Garrett McCurdy Mac Scarce was born April 8, 1949, in Danville, Virginia. Garrett and McCurdy were family names, from what I read, by the way. Makes sense. I think family last names, in fact. So he was known 
as Mac for a long time. As you can see why, he played baseball from childhood on. He grew up in Virginia, primarily in Richmond, where he was an excellent all-around athlete in high school, lettered in basketball, football, and baseball, but ultimately settled on baseball as the sport to pursue. And after graduating high school, he went to Manatee Junior College, which is now the State College of Florida in Bradenton, Florida. And pretty unusual for the time. Scarce was obviously, as I mentioned, a reliever, uh, but he was actually a reliever starting with his first year in college, uh, which I think particularly in that era was pretty unique, especially for a promising prospect. Uh, He was interviewed about it later on in life, and Scarce said that he, quote, didn't like the mental load of thinking about trying to pitch nine innings every fourth day. This way, when when they told me to warm up, that's when I started thinking about pitching. It's a lot more fun than starting. So something of a unique perspective, or, you know, I hear some wizened old baseball person making some crack about left-handers and how quirky they are. But at any rate, uh, Mac had a very unique name, and Manatee Junior College is a pretty unique college name, but uh, when I read it, I initially, initially scoffed, but apparently that team went to the Junior College World Series and featured five future major leaguers, including Max Scarce. So, Florida can never explain it. Even as a reliever, though, Scarce pitched well and flashed uh, a lot of talent. He was drafted out of junior college after a second year there by the Cincinnati Reds, but Scarce rejected what he described later on as their very low-ball offer and moved from junior college to Florida State University. And in college, Scarce continued working as a relief pitcher, enjoying considerable success, uh, racking up 30 saves over his two seasons at Florida State. Uh, 1971, his senior year, he recorded 18 saves, which actually stood as the NCAA single-season record for quite some time thereafter. Previous year was more exciting for Scarce in a in a team sense in that in 1970, he allowed only 13 hits over his 33 innings and was a key component of Florida State's advancement to the NCAA College World Series Championship, where Scarce, unfortunately, well, depending on your Met perspective, but from the perspective of the podcast, unfortunately, suffered defeat at the in the College World Series Championship to the hands of the USC Trojans and future Met Dave Kingman. Uh, Florida State fell 2-1 to one in 15 innings. Uh, Scarce actually took the loss in the championship game. He went 7 and a third stalwart relief innings, uh, but he walked the leadoff man in the 15th inning and was the pitcher of record on the short side when that uh, an in- reliever allowed that inherited runner to score. The team didn't quite make it that far. Uh, they had a good year, but didn't make the NCAA playoffs again in 71 uh, when he set that NCAA record for saves, and Scarce moved up in the draft pecking order and was selected by the Phillies in the eighth round of the 1971 draft out of college. Scarce was a lanky, six foot three, 180 pound left-hander. Uh, his best pitch was a slider, um, and he was able to throw pretty hard from kind of a whippy uh, three-quarters, somewhere between three-quarters and sidearm delivery. He, he described it as more of a three-quarters delivery. No relief prospects are somewhat downplayed now. I, I would imagine that, that might have been even more the case in the 70s when they, 
you know, weren't as prominent in baseball, uh, but he still seems like he uh, would have been seen as a decent or at least interesting prospect. I might be the wrong person to ask. I mean, I think I was irrationally excited about Jack Leathersitch when he was in the Mets minor league system. So, you know, just show me some good strikeout numbers and I think I'm salivating. But Scarce sprang up incredibly impressive uh, numbers in the minor leagues, particularly in the strikeout category where, you know, again, in an era where I think strikeouts were a lot less common. He debuted right out of the draft in 71 in the A-level um, and then he tore through the Phillies minor league system in 72, striking out well over a batter an inning at each stop, uh, again, in an era where I think that really stood out. Um, the loogie was less of a thing back then and is starting to become less of a thing now, but at minimum, I would think he would have seemed like a very promising loogie, uh, you know, but back then, probably just a key component of, of a future major league bullpen would be the hope. But while his uh, minor league coaches thought that Scarce needed more seasoning in the minors, the 1972 Phillies were uh, pretty dreadful, uh, almost historically so, or at least they're very famous for being the team that won 59 games, 27 of which were won by Steve Carlton. So when Scarce went 4-0 and with a 0.46 ERA and AA, striking out 54 batters in 39 innings, the team uh, rushed the 23-year-old to the majors to try and help out in the major league bullpen. So Mac Scarce made his MLB debut on July 10th, 1972, against the Dodgers, coming into a 3-3 game in the eighth inning. He put up a scoreless eighth. Uh, the Phillies then went ahead in the bottom of the eighth to take the lead, so he could have closed out a win in his debut, but he surrendered a game-tying home run in the ninth to Willie Davis and wound up taking the loss in the 11th. Uh, so his major league debut, he went three innings, gave up three earned runs, and wound up taking the loss to the Dodgers. Just a few weeks later, Scarce would pick up both his first career win and his first career save in a series at Shea Stadium against our Mets. On August 2nd of 1972, Scarce came into a game the Mets led 3-2 and pitched a scoreless eighth inning to keep it a one-run game. And in an incredibly rare and shocking development rarely seen around Shea, the Phillies got to Tom Seaver in the top of the ninth inning to take a 5-3 lead and give Scarce his first career win. In the following game on August 3rd, Scarce pitched uh, two scoreless innings and a 4-1 Phillies win to earn his first career save. He did get himself into some trouble in the bottom of the ninth, walking Willie Mays and hitting Duffy Dyer to bring the tying run to the plate, but he got out of the jam by inducing Cleon Jones into a double play to secure that first career save. It was early August, but those were actually slightly disappointing and not irrelevant losses for the Mets. At the time, they were in second place in the NL East, only six and a half games behind the eventual NL East champion Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates would pretty much run away with the division and the Mets would fade uh, behind the Cubs. I think the Pirates won it by double digits that year, but, you know, not not happy losses uh, against the then last place and dismal Philadelphia Phillies, but happy moments for future very brief met Max Scarce. 
Scarce will become a bit of a bullpen mainstay for the Phillies over the next two-plus years, but as his minor league coaches feared, uh, MLB hitters were often able to lay off that slider, which was his best pitch, but he never could consistently command as uh, so what he what he showed in that first career save would be what would be devil him over his career. He had a career, I think, 5.0 walk per nine inning rate. Uh, so his wildness and then eventually arm troubles, as unfortunately prefer, befall many a pitcher, ultimately short-circuited his career. Perhaps not surprisingly to fans of our team and listeners of this podcast, short-circuited his career pretty much right upon his arrival with the New York Mets. But Scarce would finish that season well, 72. His second career save was probably more notable for him than his first. Uh, he came on to preserve Steve Carlton's 21st win of the year. It was a one-run game. He came in with runners on first and second, and he retired Pete Rose on a ground out and struck out Joe Morgan and Bobby Tolan to preserve the victory for Carlton in his Cy Young campaign. And 73 was even a better season. Scarce would lead the Phillies in saves with 12, posted a 2.42 ERA, and a really impressive 157 ERA+, plus, easily his best year in the majors. Obviously, coming off that season, he was looked at as a key piece of the Philly bullpen. He appeared in 58 games in 1974, which would be a career high, but he struggled with control even more than in his previous couple of years, and the results were not what they had been in his first season and a half, and he also began to struggle with injuries requiring <clears throat> requiring cortisone shots during the season. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The 1974 offseason would be notable for Scarce, the Phillies organization, the Mets organization, and thus for this podcast. On December 3rd of 1974, the Scarce, Del Unser, and Catcher John Stearns were traded to the New York Mets in return for outfielders Don Hahn and Dave Schneck, and most notably, Mets reliever Tug McGraw. McGraw, of course, had been a mainstay of the Mets bullpen and a key component of the 69 championship team and a key contributor and the emotional linchpin of the 1973 You Gotta Believe team. Of course, McGraw himself had struggled early in 73 before being incredible down the stretch, uh, and then in 74, he did have a pretty poor season, his worst as a Met, uh, going 6-11 and with a 4.16 ERA. So the Mets perhaps thought at 28, 29 years old, he was washed up, or I don't know what the thinking was, but 
the one of the younger Max Scarce, and they also, of course, did acquire a quite talented young catcher in John Stearns. But McGraw would go on to be a key contributor to a Phillies team that would go on to win the division multiple times in the 70s and ultimately win a world championship in 1980 and wound up having a lot more left in the tank than Max Scarce, who unfortunately in the 1974 offseason went to the instructional league where Scarce believes that he tore his rotator cuff. Scarce said that he felt something pop, uh, thinks he tore his rotator cuff down there, and in interviews he said he just never felt the same after that 74 winter league, instructional league season. You know, he obviously, they didn't really have the technology to diagnose it then, but he said he lost two feet off of his fastball and a lot of break off of his slider, and that to this day his shoulder had never felt the same after that period. Asked about his time with the Mets in another interview one time, he said, when I got traded, I was damaged goods. I just never recovered from that injury. So the Mets acquiring damaged goods. Um, Shocked, shocked to hear it. But of course, this wouldn't be such a notable thing if it dragged on. It would, would wind up being incredibly notable about Max Scarce's time with the Mets is precisely exactly how brief it was, how scarce his time was as a New York Met. Scarce made the team out of uh, spring training, of course. He The Mets hoped he'd be a key piece of the bullpen in 1975 from everything I've read. And in the third game of the Mets season, after splitting two in Philadelphia, the Mets went to Pittsburgh to Three River Stadium to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. After Seaver and Kuzman started the season, uh, Jerry Kuzman took the mound against Jerry Royce of the Pirates for the third game of the season, and Kuzman flashed vintage Kuzman form, at least for the first eight innings. The Mets staked him to a two-run lead through five, and then in the eighth inning, Del Unser, also acquired in the trade with Scarce, hit his first home run as a Met to extend the lead to 3 nothing. If I weren't a mere four months old at the time the game took place, I'm sure I would have been thinking this trade's about to pay immediate dividends. I love it. So Kuzman came out for the bottom of the ninth with the 3 nothing lead, and Tired quickly, surrendering three straight singles to Richie Zisk, Dave Parker, and Manny Sanguian to cut the lead to 3-1 and put the tying runs on base, prompting Yogi Berra to turn first to Rick Baldwin to come in for Kuzman, uh, supposed to face Mario Mendoza of Mendoza line fame, but Mendoza was not surprisingly in a key situation requiring offense, pinch hit for by Paul Popovich, who promptly walked. Baldwin did get the next batter to fly out, but then surrendered a single to Rennie Stennett to tie the game at three and put runners on first and second, blowing Kuzman's win. With the game tied up, Yogi turned to Max Scarce to try and preserve the tie and get the game to extra innings. Max Scarce came on to face Richie Hebner, another future Met, and promptly gave up a single to left, scoring Popovich with the winning run, and letting the Pirates walk off the Mets 4-3 with a four-run bottom of the ninth inning. And that, my friends, was Max Scarce's New York Met career, the only batter that he faced in a Met uniform. Four days later, without getting into another game with the Mets, 
Scarce was traded one for one to the Cincinnati Reds for veteran left-handed reliever Tom Hall. I mean, there there wasn't that huge a difference in age. Uh, Hall was 27, I think Scarce was 25 at the time, but Hall had been in the majors for seven years. Actually had faced the Mets in the 73 championship series and fared very poorly against them. Uh, from It's hard to find too many rumors and reports, but uh, from what I can gather, the Reds just had an abundance of relievers. Scarce, in fact, never pitched in the majors for the Reds. He was sent right to the minors as a depth piece or someone who they maybe hoped would develop. Hall would appear in 39 games for the Mets over 75 and 76 to middling results. Uh, for Scarce, as, as mentioned, he never made it back up. He never got to partake in the 75 or 76 championship seasons of the Big Red Machine, uh, struggled in the minors, struggled with injuries, and was granted his release after the 77 season, and Scarce signed with the Minnesota Twins, and he did make it back to the majors in 1978 for a brief amount of time, appearing in 17 games, going 1-1 with a 3.94 ERA. In late June, he was sent back to AAA for the remainder of the season, and in the offseason, he was traded to the Texas Rangers in a fun final Met-related footnote for Mike Bassick, senior father of future Met pitcher and future surrenderer of Barry Bonds' 756th home run, Mike Bassick Jr., Mike Bassick would be a pretty good unformidable, although I probably wouldn't be able to be too kind. I mean, I think he had an ERA over nine one season, for Christ's sakes. Scarce actually never reported to Texas, opting to retire instead. instead. He, in an interview, said he didn't expect to be invited to big league camp. They already had Sparky Lyle as a left-handed reliever, and as he put it, he felt the handwriting was already on the wall. For his... Major League career, Max Scarce went 6-19, and 19, 6 wins and 19 losses. Even in that really exceptional 1973 season, he was 1-8 with his 2.42 ERA. Uh, again, those were some bad Phillies teams, and that kind of turned it around in the later 70s. Uh, acquiring Tug McGraw really didn't hurt. Uh, but he had a 3.69, more respectable 3.69 ERA, and recorded 21 Major League saves. Uh, through 209 and two-thirds innings, striking out 164. Uh, he did walk 117 batters. So, again, he really struggled with command. And, you know, his career 1.474 whip would indicate. His career was good for a 0.9 war, according to baseball reference. That 73 year really was impressive. He put up a 1.8 war that year, which is pretty impressive for a reliever, but, you know, gave back at a negative 0.9 the following season. Now that we've gone over his career stats, now's the point in the podcast where I typically like to go over the player's Mets stats, but Mac Scarce's Met ERA, like the limit, does not exist. Uh, just go to Baseball Reference, look him up, 1975, there's just a blank space where the ERA number usually goes. One game, one game finished, zero innings pitched, one hit, one batter faced. That, my friends, is quite the stat line. I mean, you can find yourself a Max Scarce Met baseball card. He was traded early in the 1974 offseason, so if you have the 1975 Topps 
baseball set. There is Max Scarce, pitcher, Mets, on one knee in the classic pinstripe Met uniform, sporting a sweet 1970s mustache. I presume it was presumably taken in spring training when hope springs eternal for us all, and Max Scarce and fans collecting cards that offseason were looking forward to that bright Mets future, not knowing that it would consist of one unformidable batter. Scarce never really got back into baseball. He had scattered jobs. He retired. Uh, after he retired, he worked for an electrical company and eventually founded a mortgage business, uh, lived in Georgia and back in his home state of Virginia over the years. I've actually almost grown surprised when I researched these podcasts to find players who didn't go into coaching or broadcasting or some form of some form of baseball coverage. It almost seems like it is a at least 50% or a majority. Uh, Scarce has been honored by the Florida State Athletics Hall of Fame in 1985, and his high school and the State College of Florida also inducted him into their Hall of Fames. Uh, looking back on his playing days, at an interview I found, he said that being in the major leagues was never a childhood goal, but it was a great ride. I do wish my career would have lasted longer. I don't qualify for the pension. I get nothing because I played before 1980, but baseball was great to me. His time with the Mets was all too brief as well, but what a great and quirky and interesting little anomaly, or so I thought. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Unformidable. Please go to AmazonAvenue.com for more Mets-related content. Follow Amazon Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram. You can find this and all of our amazing pods wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe to them, leave us reviews, it really helps us out. Original music by Bunga. I'm on Twitter at WolfRR, W-O-L-F-F-R-R, and the show is at Unformidable. Thank you, and as always, let's go Mets!